Hi there and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Hallelujah. Well, give somebody a high five and you can be seated in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. I feel better in my spirit already. Come on, somebody say amen. I want to give you three keys to maximizing your church experience. I'm going to give them to you quickly. Number one, come expecting. If you didn't come expecting, you can switch it right now. The rest of the service, I want you to expect God to do something in your heart. I want you, when the Word of God is being taught, I want you to expect to hear God say something to you. When we read the Holy Bible, that is God speaking to each one of us. So the first thing, whenever you want to maximize your church experience, is come expecting God to do something. There are many types of churches in the world, and so I don't have any beef with any church, but I'll just tell you what our church is like. We're expecting God to do something in our life. Somebody say amen. Amen. We're expecting God to do it. We're expecting God to heal the sick. I'm expecting blind eyes to open right this second in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm expecting God to do what only God can do. Number two, everybody say number two. two. Engage in worship. Listen, you don't have to worship like anybody around you, but you need to engage in worship. Why? Because he inhabits the praises of his people. I can tell you story after story in the Bible and in my experience where there's two people standing side by side. One receives all heaven has to offer and the other one gets nothing because they didn't engage. And to engage, that doesn't mean you got to do it just like somebody else. We, we lift our hands and I'll tell you why we lift our hands. The Bible says more than once, but one, transla- one uh, location, it says in Lamentations, we lift our heart with our hands. It's like saying, Lord, can you help me with this? It's the international sign of surrender. When you lift your hand, you're saying, I surrender, Lord. So we're coming and we're saying, God, you're worthy of all the praise. I surrender everything to you and take my heart and mold it. So that's one of the reasons we do it. So if you come and you, you come from a different culture or different environment and you've never been around people raising their hands, listen, sometimes you just got to start somewhere like this right here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but engage. You can even put your hand in, in your pocket and just kind of just like that. Nobody's looking around, but don't, don't like point it at anybody because there's like a bunch of people in here who will tackle you if you do that, but praise the Lord. Engage in worship. Engage. So you come in here expecting God to do something. Don't come in here like you're going to Kroger or McDonald's, praise the Lord. This is the house of the living God. I love to tell the story. I love to tell what God has done in our life, and so many times it happens right here. In a moment, right here. Why? Because the waters have been troubled before. They've been troubled. They've been stirred before in here. So uh, come expecting God to do and then engage in worship. And lastly, potentially the most important, actively listen when the word is taught. Actively listen means that you're telling your mind, no, I'm not thinking about my grocery list. I'm not thinking about the fact that I need to get my oil changed. I'm not thinking about the fact that I've got 800. Can we just all agree we all have 8,000 things to do? And we all might be a little behind. But for the next 20 minutes, 
I want you to actively listen. Because the truth is, the person who's actively listening can hear something that somebody else never gets contact, never even grasps. It happens all the time in every environment. So let's just declare, let's say this. Say, I'm expecting, I'm engaging, and I'm here to listen. In Jesus' name, now change me, Lord. Amen. You be careful because he'll change you. <laughs> he will change you. <laughs> Let me tell you what he'll do. You'll be praying, God, why they do that to me? Oh, they're just so wrong to me. And God will say, it was you. <laughs> he'll do it. Somebody say amen. Second Kings chapter number five, verse number one. I'm going to get right to the word. The scripture says, now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria He was also a mighty man in valor. Somebody say mighty man. man. He had accolades coming out of his ears. He had stripes on his shoulders and pins on his chest. He was a man of great victory, yet the Bible continues to say, but he was a leper. Did you know everybody that you look at and you admire still has some issues that need to be worked out? Including yourself, which means you can give yourself a pass. Nobody has it all figured out. On the contrary, some people's victories are easier to see than others, but it seems like our defeats get, get, get put in the middle of the spotlight when we don't want them to. The Bible says all these wonderful things about Naaman. Then it says he was a leper. In other words, everybody, no matter how great their victories, still have some issues that need some help or some assurances in their life. Verse 2, the Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little, a little maid or a little lady and she waited on Naaman's wife. She was Naaman's wife's servant. And she said unto her mistress, Naaman's wife, she says, would God my Lord were with the prophet? In other words, I just wish that my Lord Naaman, I just wish the boss were with the prophet that's in Samaria, the prophet of God. For he would recover him from his leprosy. Somebody say recover. See, nowadays, you and I would say he would heal him of his leprosy. But she specifically says, recover. Recover means you get back what was lost in the process as well. Some of you had some great relationships that were lost over the last 10 years of your life, but God's about to recover those relationships. Some of you thought you were going to have to give up family members whenever you got seriously, radically saved for God. And God says, no, you didn't give them up indefinitely. They're just watching you from afar. And in the right moment, in the right time, I'm going to light their fire. And before it's over, you'll all be sitting right next to each other in church on a Sunday morning. Somebody give God a big hand of praise. So this little girl, she's just a a servant, and she waits on uh, Naaman's wife, and she says, man, I really wish that you guys could get to the prophet because our God is a healer. I know your God, you think he's a healer, but our God is a healer. You you think you have God, but our God will do it. In other words, number one, if you're going to live a life with faith in operation, number one, you have to tell your story. Somebody say, tell your story. You have to tell your story. Your story has more power than almost anything else in your possession because you can tell your story and it can stimulate somebody to believe. I can tell my story and it will stimulate somebody to believe. That's why the Bible says in the book of Revelation, we overcome with a two-part recipe, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony or our story. 
She just began to testify of what she'd seen and heard that would take place by, at the hand of Almighty God. And she began to declare it. So if you're going to have a, a year, 2018, of faith and operation, because we all need to understand we all have faith. God has given us each the measure of faith. The question is, what are we pointing it at? Because if we're spending all day talking about what could go wrong, that's called doubt and unbelief, and that's effectively faith in the wrong direction. It takes just as much energy to doubt as it does to believe that God's going to do what he said he would do. As a matter of fact, doubt is almost like praying for things to happen that you don't want to happen. When you could be in faith, believing God that even in the middle of, the, of all the uncertainties of life, I'm still going to believe God. You light the fire up in front of me, fine. If you throw me in, fine. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that no weapon formed against me will prosper and I'm not backing off. So number one, you got to get to the place where you tell your story. Well, who do you tell it to? Well, if you got a dog or a cat, start there. Matter of fact, just tell the dog, don't tell the cat cat won't listen anyway, praise the Lord. I make, an, I make light, but what I'm saying is you can rehearse your story. You can tell it over and over and over again. And then understand, the only person that gets tired of hearing your story is you. You've got to understand the power of your story may be the one thing that sets an entire nation free. This is a great warrior. It's basically like talking to General Mattis right now. He was the head war man of the generation in the time. And just a little old servant girl says, you know, there's a God who heal you and his prophet's over there. I wish you over there. He wouldn't just heal you. He would recover your husband. The Bible continues to say that uh, uh, when that happened, one went in and told his Lord saying, told him the story thus and thus, basically said, tells the story. And told what the maid said of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I, the king, will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed, and he took with him ten talents of silver, which a talent is 75 pounds, so he took 750 pounds of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of clothes. Everybody say ten. Ten is always the number of testing, which brings us to number two. First off, you got to tell your story. Number two, you have to respond to the word. That's the test. What will you do with the word of God? When you hear that God will heal your body, will you believe it? Will you argue with your mind and decide that you're going to believe God in spite of everything else? You have to respond to the word of God. Maybe you heard for the first time that white people, black people, brown people, and pink people ought to be able to live in harmony today for the first time when we replay Dr. King's message. Maybe there's something on the inside of you that needs to respond to that word and say, I'm going to wash out all this stuff I've heard for my entire life, and I'm going to decide that I'm going to look at people the way God looks at them and say, that's not a black person or a white person. That's for a son or a daughter of the Most High God. There comes a cleansing when you begin to respond to the word. So if you're going to live a life with faith in operation, number one, you have got to get to the place where you tell your story. And then number two, you've got to respond to the word. You've got to decide, I'm going to put something in play. The Bible says this. You'll love this. It says, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. That's correct. So faith without accompanying activity is of no effect. That means I can say I believe God, I can act like I believe God, I can think I believe God, but until I put my faith in operation, I actually don't believe God. 
Faith in operation is the only faith that functions and accomplishes what it is set out to do. So how do I, how do I walk by faith? You walk by faith by continuing to believe God in the face of all adversity. See, a Christian's life, and, and maybe, maybe as a church, not this church, the church globally, maybe we, we kind of missed some things a while back and we began to paint the picture that Christianity would somehow equip you to where it would deliver you from all of your issues instantaneously. The reality is Christianity puts a target on your back and sometimes throws you right into a circumstance because God's trying to make a spectacle about how good he is in the middle of a trial or a tribulation and the reality of our situation is God gets a lot more glory when we're in the fire and not getting burned up than if we never get in the fire. So we got we to gotta, uh, tell our story and then we've got to respond to the word. Somebody say respond. Put something in play this week. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to give you four points today. But if you hear something in between those points that strikes you, write it down in your phone. Write it down in your journal and apply it tomorrow. Apply it today. Respond to the Word of God. You know what? I'm just going to change my mind and believe that God does want to bless me. Maybe that's something that could shift in you. We have scripture upon scripture upon scripture that itemizes the fact that God is the God that longs to bless his children. Maybe that's something that we should apply tomorrow in our life. Because when you begin to respond to the word, let me tell you what happens. The word responds to you. Give God a big hand of praise this morning. He took all the gold and all the clothes and the Bible says that Naaman went and he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, now when this letter is coming to you, behold, I have herewith sent Naaman, my servant to you, that you may recover. Somebody say recover. recover. That you may recover him from his leprosy. The Bible says that it came to pass when the king heard this, I'll paraphrase it, he began to tear his clothes he began to say, oh no. He said, I can't heal you. He said, he said the king has sent you over here and, and I'm going to fail. And when I fail, he's going to get mad at me and you guys are going to want to go to war and it's just going to be all these big problems and I don't even know how to handle it. But there was a man of God in the region. Somebody say man of God. When there's a man or a woman of God in your family, that's all you need. You see, when you decided to serve Jesus, you got tattooed man of God. When you decided to serve Jesus, you got tattooed uh, uh, woman of God. And when that happens, that's what your family... We just need one to break through. Come on, somebody say just one. We just need one to break out. You break out, then you'll drag all the other ones with you. Oh, they're going to cuss you out at first. Don't forget that. Don't, let's not get it twisted. They're not going to be all happy about the fact that you don't want to belly up to the bar anymore. And they're going to say you're looking down on them. They're going to say all this other stuff. But you just need one to get out. And then long about the midnight hour when all of a sudden everybody's in chains and everybody's bound up and you're sitting there and it looks like you're in chains too and uh, uh, you got your other Christian friends around you and you're locked up and they're locked up and they're saying, see, you're locked up just like we are. You'll look at those old chains and you'll say, I might be in chains, but I'm freer than all of y'all put together. What do you mean you're freer than all of us put together? Watch this. You say, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Oh, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. And all of a sudden, the foundations of that prison cell begin to shake and the chains fall off of your wrist. And wouldn't you know it, it falls off of their wrist too. And then they say, would you tell us about this Jesus you've been preaching about? 
See, we don't need everybody to bust out. We just need somebody to bust out. You give me one person to break through and we'll get everybody else through. Because what happens when one breaks through, now there's a hole in the wall. And where there's a hole in the wall, we don't have to go back to the other side to get them. We just reach through and help them through when they decide to come on. There's something about responding to the word of God. There's something about saying, you know, I'm just not going to believe that. I'm going to believe what the Bible says. He said, well, 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 what does that mean? It means we live by faith, not by sight. It means we decide before the issue gets there that we're not going to doubt God in the valley. It means that God is able. Somebody say God is able. So the king is all worried, but verse 8, the Bible says, And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes and was all scared, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent your clothes? Why are you so scared? He said, Let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Now, if you read that real fast, you can miss it. He didn't just say, I'm going to heal you of leprosy. He said, Your flesh will come again to you. All the skin and the digits, the fingers, your ears, your earlobe. Because when you have leprosy, all of, your, all of your fingers and stuff starts falling off. So literally, Naaman was walking around. I don't know how many he'd lost by this point, but he'd lost some digits, maybe his ears, maybe the tip of his nose was gone, and he's sitting there, and he's got all of his regalia on and all the horses and all the gold and all the silver and all the clothes, and he knocks on the door, and he says, he says okay, uh, uh, the, the great general from Syria is here, and Elisha goes, oh, well, just go tell him to bathe in the river, and he'll get it all back. And the Bible continues to say that Naaman was wroth. He was very angry. And he went away. And he said, behold, I thought, surely. Somebody say, surely. Surely he would come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Can I say it differently? Hey, what I thought was going to happen didn't happen. Hey, I thought it was going to happen a different way. Hey, how come, how come I hear about all this stuff, but it doesn't happen? I, I've seen people and experienced this, and it didn't happen for me. Why did it didn't happen for me? Why is it different now? What, uh, let me just tell you this, number three. Don't lose heart. Come on, there's a stick to it nature that gets on the inside of a Christian that makes you indefeatable. When you decide, I'm not giving up and I don't care what I see. I'm not giving up. Listen, if you walk into church and somebody's sitting in your chair and you got your name monogrammed on the chair, you decided before you walked in, I'm expecting God, I'm going to engage, I'm going to actively listen, and I'm not going to lose heart when it doesn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. How many of you just thank God for your wife? How many of you thank God that he didn't let you marry the one you first wanted to marry? I just created a lunch conversation. So, who was she? <laughs> it didn't happen the way you want, but can, I, can we just all agree? It's far greater, above, more than you could ask or think. You see, God's going to do something in your life, but it's going to be better than you're thinking. 
So you got to get comfortable in living in a, in a situation that you didn't necessarily foresee all the details because if you could have foreseen all the details, it wouldn't be better than you thought of. He's going to exceed what you think. We're about to see a miracle and Naaman almost loses it because he decides to get offended. Does he not know who I am? I am Naaman the Great. Look at my badge. Look at the the, the awards I've received. Don't you know about our victories? And Elijah's in there peeling an apple saying, you ain't nothing compared to God, Jack. (laughs) The scripture says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So for you and for me, we can't lose heart if it doesn't happen the way you thought it would happen. So for us at our church, we've hit an extremely high frequency of miracles. Started in December, and it's just been miracle after miracle after miracle, confirmed by doctors, just miracle. And, and to be honest with you, uh, it's, it's not the way I would have envisioned it years ago. Because I've been believing God for an outpouring as long as I can remember. But this outpouring, it's been so unique because it's so different than anything I've heard about. People are leaving and they're going, well, I think I received from God. And they wake up the next morning, they're complete, completely pain-free. They wake up the next morning, go to the doctor, and the doctor said, hey, I'm taking you off of all these medications. Let me tell you what that is. That is God not just healing you, but it's also God rebuking the devourer. Because they don't give medicine away. Wouldn't it just be wonderful if you were paying $500 a month in in, in medication and all of a sudden God heals you and all of a sudden that's literally $6,000 a year that's back in your pocket that you can bless the house of God, you can do different things with? See, that's them rebuking the devourer. But you got to be at the place where you've already decided, I'm not going to lose heart. And then you got to be, instead of old naming, let me show you, let me just give you a couple of naming examples, modern day naming examples. And don't look around when I say this. Boy, it got quiet when I said that. (laughs) Hey, you should have treated me different because you knew I was going through something. Did they not care? Don't they know my birthday's only a month away and nobody's called me yet? Don't they know that I've got this issue in my life? How come they didn't call? They should have this. They didn't even notice when I got my hair done. They didn't notice when this happened. They didn't. How come? What's going on? Well, listen, Naaman, I'll tell you what happened. What you were expecting, anticipating, or hoping, hoping didn't take place that, that way. Maybe if you'll honor God and you'll just stay faithful and you won't lose heart, maybe that'll empower you to experience more than you were asking or thinking. But the truth of the entire thing is you and me have to get to the place and say, if God wants me to jump in a river, I'll jump in a river. I'll tell you what's interesting. The two rivers that he points out in Syria, uh, one uh, loosely translates to Stony River. The next one translates to Swift River. Don't you just always want God to do it quickly? Come on, don't you just want that Chick-fil-A result? You just want to order it at the iPad, get it at the window, have two people tell you uh, uh, my pleasure and then just go on about your business? Come on, let's pray right now that Chick-fil-A would open on Sundays. Come on. (laughs) Come on, we want it to happen swiftly. The other thing about those old Rocky Rivers, I, I love the Colorado Rockies. Not the baseball team, they're terrible. I like the mountains, praise the Lord. I like going up in the mountains. I like going up there and catching those beautiful trout. We like going up there and seeing all the sights and 
all those rivers, they're, they're, they're all rock. And because they're all rock, they don't have a bunch of sediment and debris floating down. So the rivers are beautiful, just like the Brazos River, just beautiful, clean. And <laughs> What he was saying is, our rivers are way prettier. They move a lot faster. If I was going to clean something, I would clean it in the clear water. I would clean it where there were rocks for me to rub my clothes on. That's where I would clean. I don't want to get in a Jordan. You can't even see to the bottom of the Jordan River. I don't want to be in the Jordan River. Aren't our rivers better than that? No, a lot of times God's telling you to do something, not because he can't do it anywhere. He just wants to know, will you do what he said? God's never going to tell you to be nice to somebody. So if you hear that voice telling you to be nice, quit rebuking the devil. (laughs) That's God. You say, oh, anybody could be nice to them. God's not as worried about somebody being nice to them as he is about, you know, will you just do what I tell you? Because if you'll be, number four, if you'll be faithful in the little things, the Bible says the servants come over and they say, hey, listen, if he gave you something great to do, verse 13, wouldn't you have done it? How much more then when he said to you, wash and be clean in the river? Then he went down, dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And listen to this. His flesh came again to him, likened unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. He got back everything the devil had stolen, and he was completely healed. Number four, you be faithful with the little things, and God will make you ruler over much. I remember... I was serving my pastor five and a half years ago now. Anything necessary, always there. If the toilet was was clogged up, I'm your man, praise the Lord. And then in a a moment, God said, I want you to go to Bryan College Station and I want you to start a church and I want you to help usher in a move of God that changes families on the inside out. I want my people healed. I want them set free. I want them prospering. And I need somebody to tell them, I said, Lord, I'll do anything you tell me to do. He said, I know. You showed me with the toilet. You see, you're sitting there in the toilet stage of your life trying to figure out why is this and God's going, there's somebody I can use. God's going, there's somebody I can use. Somebody said something ugly to you and they were completely off base and you didn't respond spitefully and God's going, there's somebody I can use. Your husband came in with a bad attitude and you didn't return a bad attitude. God's going, there's somebody I can use. Your wife came in with a bad attitude. Never mind, that never happened. (laughs) Come on, you're faithful in just the little things. Let me give you some examples. Being kind and gracious. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. If you know something somebody else has done, don't go telling anybody about it. Ask God to forgive them. What if we just really acted like a Christian? Wouldn't that change the world? Another small thing, you just be in the house of God. You just say, I'm going to church when the doors are open. Praise the name of the Lord. It's just a little thing you think. But what happens is, is your faith gets built up because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And before you know it, these issues of your life have just fallen off. Because you're spending more time worried about what, how do I do what I should for God instead of how do I stop doing the stuff I shouldn't do. It just falls off. It just This is the way of it. Jesus didn't say, Peter, you can follow me if you never cuss again. He said, I just need you to follow me. He said, well, what if I miss the mark? The righteous falls seven times 
but to get back up. Who's the righteous? That's you and me. Those who've called on the name of the Lord. Well, how am I righteous? The Bible says you've been made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. So in other words, if somebody's not born again, they're not righteous in God's eyes anyway. So they had not fallen from anything. They're already down. So why are we worried about them sinning while they sinning while they are sinners? That's like getting mad at an Italian for speaking Italian. By definition, a sinner sins. So we need to quit worrying about what they're doing and bring them to the one who will set them free. Come on, give God a hand of praise in the house. But you just be faithful in little things. Who was here Wednesday night? Guys, listen to me. If you've got to change your schedule, change it. But get to the house of God on Wednesday night. This is a stark change. Typically, last five years, I just say, praise the Lord if you can make it, whatever. But God is doing something on Wednesday nights. And I believe the little things. You know what, Lord? We're going to change our whole family. I'm going to make sure the kids, they're still going to have their homework they have to do. We still got to do this. We still got to do that. Everybody still has their responsibilities. But we're going to make arrangements because the truth is everybody does what they really want to do. If you want to go see the movie, you'll find a way to see the movie. Everybody does what they really want to do. Start making those subtle changes, those small changes. Because the Goliaths in your life, you will respond. But David only had one Goliath. But day after day after day, he was writing psalms. He was praying. He was watching his father's sheep. He was delivering messages. He was sitting in a dark cave by himself saying, I don't have anybody that will encourage me, so I'm going to encourage myself. David, you can do it because God is with you. You can do it because he's made you able. You can do it because he is your mighty right hand and he ever watches over you. You get to the place where you begin to encourage yourself. You see, this is the key to living by faith. It's a series of small adjustments. How do I know the adjustments? You respond to the word. So in your quiet time, you read, you pray. God's going to drop something in your spirit. It's not that difficult to hear his voice. The difficult thing is to slow down enough to hear it. Have you ever been driving in a car and you got the windows down and somebody's trying to talk to you and it's just... I do it all the time to my kids. They'll be talking. I'm just like, cool, yeah. I have no idea what they're saying. Then when you slow down just enough, I really don't do that. They'll probably watch the sermon. I really am listening, guys. Praise the Lord. Then you slow down enough, all of a sudden, they don't have to yell. They can just talk. To hear God's voice, it requires an adjustment in your life. Oh, I thank God for all those shouts that he gives us to rescue us, but I don't want to have to be shouted at all the time. I'd like him to just communicate with me like he really wants to. How do you know he really wants to? Because he's ever speaking, not just through his word, but right into your spirit, man, right into the core of who you are, right into the very center of who you are. So number one, this is a year for our church. The Lord spoke two powerful professions over our church. Number one, it's a year of new beginnings. If you need a new beginning, you're in the right place because this is a year of new beginnings. We're going to see God launch new things, New businesses, new ideas, new jobs, new promotions, new levels of peace in your family, new beginnings. They're breaking out all over right now. That's the promise. 
And I feel like the Lord kind of gave us a challenge. This is going to be a year of faith in operation. So for us, the question then is simple. How do we put our faith in operation? Number one, tell your story. Number two, respond to the word. Change something in your life for God and watch him begin to change everything else around you. Just make a shift. You say, I've never prayed every day. Pray every day. How long? Set a goal. Put a timer on. You know, sometimes I'll say, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes and I'll set a timer on my phone. And every thought that comes in my mind, because they all come in your mind, I said, no, my 10 minutes hitting up. I'll think about you when the 10 minutes is up, but right now I'm praying, praise the Lord. I'm focusing on Him and who He is in my life. And you just make a subtle, a subtle shift. You respond to the Word. And the Word, who is the Word? The Bible says Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So literally, you respond to the Word, and the Word responds to you. Number three, I love this one because I sense a real bulldog nature in here. Don't lose heart. Come on, everybody just get in a, just get in a position of just a little bit aggressive but not mean. Just say this, I won't lose heart. You really won't now. You really won't. Let the winds blow. Let the storm rage. The devil's going to realize he picked on the wrong group of people. There's no backup in you. There's no quit in you. You won't lose heart. Even if you have a Naaman moment, you're going to still switch. That's why I like Naaman so much because we see really all of us. Because at first it's like, hey, they didn't whatever. And then somebody talks some sense in him. He said, well, okay, I'll try it. Praise the Lord. Goes and gets in the river. Bathes seven times. Lastly, small adjustments. Just a small adjustment. Just a, just a little thing. I'm going to have my family in the house of God. Sunday belongs to the Lord. Sunday morning. And I'm going to start going to church on a Wednesday night. Why? Because we're trying to build our faith. Can I just say this? You won't know when you're going to really need your faith. But when you really need it, you don't have time to build it. You don't, you don't get your weapon the day they drop you on the battlefield and say, good luck trying to figure out how to load it and shoot it. No, you start a basic training. You fill it up. You learn how to do it. You learn how to clean it. You learn how to take care of it. And then what happens in that moment when, you finally, when you're finally in a firefight and you can't predict the day it'll happen, you revert to your training. That's what church is. It's training ground for the army of God. Give God a big hand of praise this morning. Please stand to your feet. We're going to dismiss in just a moment, but I'd hate to close this service without giving you the opportunity to choose Jesus if you have not. So if you're here today, would you please bow your head and close your eyes? Those watching online, we're speaking to you as well. If you've never made the decision to choose Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you'd say this. Maybe you'd say, I've never given my heart to Jesus. Or you'd fall into a different category. You'd say, I'm backslidden. And I've fallen away from God. He's not angry at you. He doesn't want to leave you in either one of those two situations and circumstances. On the contrary, if you'll give your life to Him, He'll save you. He'll forgive you. He'll wash you white as snow. And He'll give you a great purpose. So if that's you and you've never said yes to Jesus, 
or it's been a while and you know you need to come back to him. With nobody looking around, when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand towards heaven. And with an uplifted hand, you're just saying, oh God, remember me. And he really, really will. One, two, three, lift your hands. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? We're about to pray in just a moment. If you lifted your hand and you wanted to, pray this prayer after me. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Pray this prayer after me. Matter of fact, church, help us pray. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I'm a Christian now, on my way to heaven, forgiven and set free in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, we'd love to know about it, get you some resources to help you live strong for God. Fill that card out and drop it off by the tent. I'm also going to ask one more question before we leave. If you're here today and you sense in your spirit that this is the church for you, you sense that God has directed you here. When I'm speaking and the worship team's playing, you sense a real resonance. You sense a place of resonance. I just want you to know, the Bible says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. We would love you to be planted with us because the Bible also says that when you become a partner with us, that you become a partaker of every grace that's on this house. The grace of healing, the grace of, uh, of, of prosperity, the grace of increase of faith, peace in your home. Furthermore, uh, every time we win somebody to the Lord, you're a part of that. Every time that somebody gets healed, you're a part of that. So if that's you and you know this is the house for you, if you would, before you leave as well, grab that card out of the chair, even if you filled it out a hundred times, fill it out one more time, mark on there you'd like to be a member, drop it off by the tent and we'll get you all the information related to be a member of this great house. Give God one more hand of praise. We pray a blessing on you. We'll be dismissed. Father, would you bless your people coming in and going out? Bless them in the city and the field. Help us, Lord God, to put our faith in operation this week. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.